0: This is Chamber Chat, a service of the Council Bluffs Area Chamber of Commerce in cooperation with Todd Studer Productions. Thanks for joining us on Chamber Chat uh, from the Council Bluffs Area Chamber of Commerce. Today we are joined by special guest, Council Bluffs Mayor Matt Walsh. Mr. Mayor, thank you very much for your time to... uh, fill us in on some things that are going on inside of the community.
1: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here today.
0: Let's start off with what is going to be coming up for fiscal year 2022, because I know the budget has already been approved.
1: So our budget year starts July 1st. And so we are just at the beginning of fiscal year 2022. Um, The city's budget runs approximately $180 million, give or take. Uh, About 26% of that comes from property taxes. Um, A big portion is what they call intergovernmental funding, state money or federal money that's passed through those um, government entities onto local government to use in their community. and, um, And then we get monies from a variety of other sources many of them taxes, road use tax, which is the tax you pay on your uh, fuel purchases at the pump. Um, We have a gaming tax which um, has been trending downward. and um, I know there are less people gambling today than used to, but um, the other thing that happened is Um, The way our gaming revenue was set up initially was 50 cents per customer that went on the riverboat contributed and we only have one riverboat left and so um, both Harris facilities are land-based and so we lost that revenue so um, and then we have uh, hotel motel tax which has been down over the last two years uh, from primarily from natural disasters. Um, When they had the flooding in 19, people couldn't get up. Interstate uh, 29 and then uh, with the pandemic, business travel really reduced. And so a lot of um, people in the hospitality industry have have gone through some difficult times, but uh, we hope that money Will return to normal levels. We have a pretty robust hotel motel uh, business in Council Bluffs for a variety of reasons: the casinos, the the proximity to downtown Omaha, and, and uh, the fact that we're on an Interstate
0: 2980 crisscross. There's a lot of traffic through here. So, well, and you brought up. Uh, not just COVID that's happened over the past 18 or so months that uh, really had a big effect on that, but we had just, <laughs> we're just coming out of the natural disaster with the flood, which a lot of areas, uh, especially in this state, weren't dealing with the same way that Council Bloss was.
1: Yeah, we're, we're actually in city government now managing four accounts related to disasters and um federal funding, which uh, those accounts will all get audited. And so uh, we were very careful with how that money's spent, but we have FEMA claims still out there from the flood. Um, People, again, we're on a fiscal year. People don't remember that last year in the first half of the year, we had a flood. In the second half of the year, we had a pandemic. And so we have uh, another FEMA account related to the pandemic. We have the uh, CARES Act money, which was the first allocation of federal dollars that, uh, um, some of that flowed through local government, uh, um, primarily to be reappropriated out into the community and businesses in the community. And then uh, we have the American Rescue Plan, which was the big funding. Um, Council Blust will receive $24.8 million uh, from that appropriation over two years. We've gotten the first allocation already, um, but they really haven't come down with clear administrative rules on how to spend it yet. And so uh, the last day to submit questions, I think maybe it was yesterday, today or yesterday, they'll have to go through that, um, formulate answers, and so we probably won't hear firm answered until 60
0: days from now. So, Something that comes into mind as you're talking about everything that's been happening over the past couple of years, uh, as we're sitting here in the uh, Chamber of Commerce office, we're seeing traffic go by. Yeah. We see businesses open. Yeah. We see uh, things not just coming back to life, but they have been uh, continuing on. And that's a testament to everybody here, to you as well, uh, in your leadership role, that we didn't let it take us all the way down
1: you know we in a variety of ways we are fortunate in the midwest i think we get a buffer between the extreme things that happen on both coasts and, and some of it driven by population but whenever there's a an economic downturn it hits the coast hard and and by the time it gets here it's it's not quite as bad and and I think COVID kind of happened that same way. We uh, we managed it um, as best we could. Uh, we tried to make sure people were healthy and safe, primarily. But then that our businesses could continue to operate. And, and uh, I know several of them took a financial hit, but I don't think it was a death blow. And so we uh, people recovered quick and. We're anxious to get out, um, but it, it's kind of interesting to me, and I don't have any basis for this statement other than conjecture, but, you know, as I said earlier, $24.8 million. If we add together our lost revenue um, as city government, City of Council Plus, our lost revenue, um, and then additional expenses related to COVID, it, it's maybe a fourth of that. And so um, I just wonder if other communities, the amount of money they got was a justifiable number. I, I, I just question the amount of money that it's a way to get um, things flowing again. But I think we could have done it here for a lot less, and I'm not will be strange people listening to hear a politician arguing they they got too much money but um we'll use it and we'll use it appropriately and we'll try to fix some of those deferred things that just in a normal budgetary process need to be done but financially can't get done
0: is there anything else going on in the community right now that you want to make sure that people know is still coming up
1: well the other thing that that was interesting for us, I think. um, And I don't know if it's particular to us or it happened around the country. But of course, business cut back travel during COVID. And so when you have uh, people looking for business opportunity or a new place to locate their business, you would assume that that would have slowed down tremendously. But the uh, economic development front in Council Bluffs looks really good right now. Uh, there was throughout the pandemic, uh, things were being negotiated and discussed, and, and uh, um, I think people are going to be shocked and surprised how much construction and new tax base is is coming to Council Bluffs, which benefits everybody. I had a conversation with a lady yesterday who was complaining about having new housing in her neighborhood. We don't need any more housing in this town. (laughs) And I tried to explain to her that you know really the role of government is to create more residential valuation, to create more commercial valuation, and the broader more diversified tax base you get the more you spread out the people contributing to the operations of city government. She wasn't getting it, but uh, again, there's going to be a lot of, uh, of commercial development going on, which is a little unusual for, for us, um, because Iowa has a very antiquated property tax law. Um, back in the 19, late 1970s, um, farm prices were going up because investors were parking their, um, banker, I should remember the tax code, but uh, if you sell a property as long as you invest, reinvest it in a, a short time frame, you don't have to pay taxes on the capital gains, and so uh, investors were parking their investment capital gains in farmland, which was driving up the price of farmland, and in those days, uh, property taxes were based solely on valuation. so. The Iowa Legislature changed that to be a productivity formula if you're how much does an acre of ground produce in the form of income. Residential or urban legislators representing large residential areas said you're going to just going to shift the property tax burden to residential. And so they negotiated a deal where they tied them together leaving commercial out and uh, one moves down, they both moved down, um, until from the late 70s till 2005, every year agricultural properties went down, and so local government saw their tax base eroding, and so they started raising the levy, and commercial properties pay 100% of the levy, were at one point, residential taxpayers were paying about 46% of their valuation, which meant that uh, in Council Bluffs, if you built the same commercial building that you built in Omaha, you'd pay 200, I think it was about 219% of the property taxes, so more than double, and that really, hurts us from a, a development standpoint when, when the accountants get together and say, well, yeah, you, you can essentially build it for the same cost on either side of the river, but into perpetuity, you're gonna pay half the property taxes. Um, but for whatever reason, some of it may just be there's not land available or there's a diminishing, uh, amount of land available on the Nebraska side. We're, we're really starting to get some looks. So,
0: You had brought up, before we let you go, Mayor, uh, you had brought up the uh, housing and the conversation that you'd had with somebody. There's a new project coming up with uh, Congresswoman Sydney Axne. Uh, uh, she's helping out with that as well. That um, A new project coming up, it's along the South Expressway, is that correct? Yeah, we have
1: uh, a couple of locations that uh, we're looking for affordable housing uh, workforce housing and and this was a location that uh, the city identified which is out the back door of Casey's on 23rd um, and we got some HUD money to help acquire that and some uh, uh, black grant money and and uh, so we need to um, develop it into housing or we'd have to pay that grant back because that was the intent of it. And so Congresswoman's office um, asked us if we had things we needed help with and and a couple things we need in that project are to bring in some dirt to to bring up the elevation of the ground there and then uh, to improve the street access and so some new streets and so we're um, been told we've been approved for um, a little less than a million dollars, so uh, we're grateful for that, and we'll put it to good use.
0: Council Bluffs Mayor Matt Walsh, thank you for your time. Uh, We're going to speak with Drew Camp here in just a second, but uh, we do appreciate you. You're a busy man, and and to come in and do this and to fill everyone in on some of the things that are going on in the community. uh, Thank you for that, and uh, continuing on for the rest of the year, uh, hopefully we can continue moving forward and upward as we have seen that trend. Thank you. I, I'm a hometown guy that's family's lived here for
1: over a hundred years and, and I love this community and uh, and I think there's great things ahead for us. So.
0: Also joining us on Chamber Chat today is Drew Camp, President and CEO of the Council Bluffs Area Chamber of Commerce. Drew, always exciting to be able to talk to you. and you have a partnership, uh, got some funds allocated out of the budget that the mayor was just talking about. Uh, yeah, we were really, really happy. Alicia
2: Freeze, the workforce director here at the chamber and myself, were able to go in front of the mayor and council uh, back in March, well, February and March uh, in their budget cycle and conversations and really um, walk them through what a $50,000 investment in our workforce development program would look, look like, and they passed it unanimously as part of the FY2022 budget, and we really have to commend the council, but the
0: mayor really spearheaded that, so we're very, very appreciative of his work and collaboration on that. So what's going to happen then with that program? How is that going to benefit the community?
2: Yeah, so it, what's been so great about that program is Iowa West Foundation donated, well, didn't donate, they invested uh, in a one hundred and fifty thousand dollar grant to really start up the program, bring in bring in a director for that program and really get the ball rolling on some key metrics to really try to make an impact on workforce here in Council Bluffs. And we've been able to do that. Um, and we are gonna go back to Iowa West for kind of a second round of funding to kind of grow the program. Uh, But to move forward and keep that program sustainable, and frankly, the chamber as a whole sustainable, we haven't for the last few years had any public investment in our organization. And if you're going to be a successful organization, whether you're a chamber, an economic development organization, a joint chamber economic development organization, you have to have public investment. So we went and talked to the mayor about what that would look like, and we came to the determination that workforce is the number one need in our community. That's where we're seeing the most growth within our operation and Alicia's work. Um, And we thought it made a lot of sense to look at an investment in that program of work, and we were able to have that conversation and get it passed, like I said, unanimously with the council. And then we do intend to go have a conversation with the county actually on Tuesday uh, for the same level investment as well.
0: Well, and you you talked about... um workforce being uh, an important part here, and it's going on a lot of places that everybody's struggling right now to find workers. Very
2: much so, and it's something that we can't be everything to everyone. We do our best and we try to bring the resources to bear that we can. The best thing we can do most of the time is to be a conduit, because we work with a lot of people that others don't necessarily know even exist a lot of time. Um, so Alicia has done a really good job and her and I in collaboration and other partners that we work with uh, have been very, very helpful in a litany of different things. We could have a two hour long conversation about workforce, but she's done a really, really good job in collaborating with not only our public private, but also our nonprofit partners to make sure we're addressing those needs and really trying to meet people where they're at And her background in hospitality. And then she was at the CVB as well. Um, she has a lot of knowledge in some of the sectors that are hurting the most right now as we come out of the pandemic.
0: Chamber members already know this because they see all of the uh, programs and uh, events that are coming up, but you're working very hard here and implementing a lot of new things to help grow the community, help grow businesses, help bring workers in. What are some of the other programs that are coming up? So workforce is
2: always the big one. Like I said, that's the 11 million pound elephant in the room, but one of the other big things is we've been really effective. my background's policy. Um, I've worked in politics for, you know, a dozen years now since I graduated college. And that's something I really, really enjoy. And that's a big responsibility of a chamber as well. So I've been able to kind of take that and run with it as the point person within the chamber and our involvement with Iowa Chamber Alliance, Professional Developers of Iowa, American Chamber of Commerce executives, the US Chamber, depending on whether it's federal or local or state, uh, we've really been able to leverage resources. And I've been able to serve on some of those committee, executive committees to really have a voice for Council Bluffs on both Professional Developers of Iowa and Iowa Chamber Alliance. So that's been a really big thing as well is the public policy piece, but also um, we're doing a lot with business retention expansion. We work closely with Paula and her team on not only on economic development projects for workforce and other pieces, but also for business retention expansion, getting out talking to those employers, saying, what can we do to help you? What are your needs? What's working? What's not working? Let's work together to fix that. Um, and you can't obviously do everything for them all the time, but you can at least do something and it's helpful and that helps them stay and grow here. And then the last thing that we're really pushing is our diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I have to commend our staff members, um, Lori Shields and Kim Boothie on their work. Lori is handling the Executive Women's Partnership. We've seen that grow to about 20 members now. Um, there are qualifications to meet you know, that term of executive, uh, but that's been something that's been very, very beneficial. And we actually have an event over the lunch hour today uh, for that. And Lori's done a great job uh, working with uh, Myself and our, our partners on the executive committee like Paula Hazelwood, who's the chair, and then Brenda Mainwaring and Vicki Murillo and Arian Haddocks and Janae Sternberg and Brooke Hubbard. All these people have been hugely instrumental in helping grow that program and get it off the ground just in the first quarter of this year and now have it grow to now 20 members. It has been pretty um, impressive. Kim Boothy is doing a really, really good job with our Women Inspiring Women's events. We actually have one of those tonight. um, And it's about kind of lifting up other uh, women leaders in the community around you. And it's kind of more of a roundtable concept where you kind of go around and talk to female leaders in the community. But that's another really good opportunity. There's over 350 members of that that are getting those updates to really try to stay updated and attend those or be um, influenced by those in some manner. So that's been something we've really enjoyed doing as well. But then we're really looking at growing that DE&I portfolio as well, but that's a whole different
0: conversation and that's down the road. Before we let you go, Drew, uh, your anniversary uh, of taking over here is coming up. Talk a bit about uh, how the business community has come together in the way that uh, with your help and everyone else working together have gotten through what's been going on for the last 18 months. So the biggest thing uh, that we needed to do as a chamber, and I
2: think this is like a pivotal thing and just the backbone of any successful chamber, is you're a natural collaborator and you're a natural gatherer of people. Um, you know, successful leaders, if you look at them all the way from presidents of the United States all the way down to just business executives or small business owners, a lot of the times they just work well with other people, and that's something we've been trying able to do really a lot here since we I came on uh, um, back in August. So it's almost been a year now, and. We've really just tried to be that collaborator and that gatherer, that gatherer. Granted, a lot of that was through Zoom, my first you know, three quarters of that, uh, but now we've gotten to do in person and that's been even more impactful. But we've really been able to start groups with people like the mayor and people from the city and other people from the city, the county, the schools, the Community College, Iowa West Foundation, all of our other public, private, nonprofit partners. We're bringing those people together on at least a quarterly basis and talking about things. You have an amazing amount of federal funds coming into the community right now. The mayor hinted at that. The county got over 18 million. You're looking at about 43 million plus dollars coming into the community that can be invested. That's just through the city and the county. The community college and the school districts also got money. So, it's just trying to figure out, okay, guys, how do we look at things through the same lens? Not everyone can use those funds to benefit the entire group. You have some very stringent requirements on what they can be used for, but let's talk about how we can have the biggest impact to really say these are different projects we have going on throughout the community. These are things coming down the pipe. How can we be thinking ahead to utilize these funds to leverage them in the most way, the biggest way possible? And like the mayor said, you're looking at using f- local funds and then to leverage state and federal funds. So, those are things that are hugely impactful and can have a transformational, um, a, a transformational impact on the community for the next, you know, say 10, 20 years. So you're not even necessarily looking too far down the line to have some significant impacts with some projects like First Avenue Corridor and River's Edge and things along those lines that we're already seeing, but there's even bigger things that can, um, that can come if we do things the right way.
0: He is Drew Camp, President and CEO of the Council Bluffs Area Chamber of Commerce. Thanks again, Drew, for uh, not just your time right now, but also for getting this podcast put together and to keep people informed. Doing something like this you can get more out there as opposed to just a little one or two minute blurb. So (laughs) we do appreciate that.
2: Oh, of course, thank you and uh, Todd, we'd be remiss if we do not thank you for your role in helping us with this and other things you've been so helpful and great to work with. So thank you.
0: Chamber Chat has been brought to you by the Council Bluffs Area Chamber of Commerce in cooperation with Todd Studer Productions.